I guess that's our cue to start talking. Hello, welcome in. It is Tuesday across the southeast. John Rawl is my name, and this is the Y'all Show. And sit back and enjoy three hours of Southern conversation. You could even call it deep fried Southern conversation as we've got all the news goings on on this Tuesday. We've got all the sports happenings. We've got some firings both on the NFL and college level to tell you about on our Tuesday broadcast. And we have plenty of other political talk and food talk and so much more. That's why we call this the Y'all Show. And if you're a y'all type of person, I think you're going to find a home here. I think you're going to enjoy what we've got lined up for you. We've got all the news going on. We've got information, sadly, coming out of East Arkansas about a member of law enforcement that's been killed in a crash. We've got the funeral service announcement for that. Speaking of sad times, today in Georgia, all of the living first ladies will gather to pay their respects to Rosalind Carter. And Jimmy Carter, the former president, and her husband of nearly 60 years. No, no, I'm sorry, more than that. Husband of nearly 80 years, I think it was. A long time. Of course, she died last week at age 96, I think she was. Of course, Jimmy's 99. And today in Atlanta at the Carter Center, there's going to be the proper respects paid to this lady who was a remarkable first lady after leaving office. But certainly a important time in the 1970s when the Carters were in the White House from Plains, Georgia. I've got more on the funeral arrangements and more for Rosalind Carter. We'll be sharing with you in our news headlines today. Speaking of presidents from the South and Democrats at that, if you've ever been to the trailer park in Little Rock, uh, that's what I call it. It looks like kind of like a trailer there. The Clinton Presidential Center. Well, they've got a new state and diplomatic exhibit going on there. And I'm going to tell you all about this new edition, the Be Our Guest exhibition. What does that all? What's that all about in Little Rock? I'll tell you in our headlines across the southeast today. A WWE superstar sentenced to more than 17 years in prison for her role in a DUI crash in the Sunshine State. I've got that headline coming your way. Out of Middle Tennessee, some people are stealing Christmas decorations. Why would you do such a thing? It's bad enough we've got porch pirates we got that going on in Middle Tennessee. I'll give you that headline. Alec Murdoch, he's in the news again as he's been sentenced for more crimes. I'll give you the info out of South Carolina. Also out of South Carolina, a man in Florence has been charged in $80,000 in stealing chicken. How could you steal $80,000 in chicken? I'll explain. While we're in the Carolinas, we'll give you that sports update as the Carolina Panthers on Monday fire head coach Frank Reich, the original quarterback for that NFL franchise. He was let go after leading the team to a 1-10 and season in his first year in Charlotte. We've got news on that, plus an informational firing from the college ranks that we'll pass along. And in our headlines across the southeast today, we're going to take you to Mississippi, and Yelp has come up. With a good little story, the top cheeseburger <laughs> joints in the Magnolia State. And if you're a connoisseur of burgers like I am, I just had one Monday. And uh, we're going to tell you about that. In fact, I skipped the fries Monday. I'm, I'm being health conscious these days. I skipped the fries when I had my burger 
and I had a grilled cheese sandwich instead. Is that is that going to get me in the fitness heaven? <laughs> Maybe so. But, uh, yeah, I love, and just like you, I bet you you love a good burger, at least for one of our southern states. Yelp has come up with a really good breakdown of the top cheeseburger spots. We'll do that in our news headlines across the south today. Also, what's going on on this Tuesday as we close out the month of November almost. It's November 28th today. We've got our Southern Political Report coming later this hour. And in that report today, I've got information on Nikki Haley and raising money. She's really, really turning the screws on at least Ron DeSantis, and she'd really love to turn the screws on one Donald J. Trump. I don't think she's going to have enough time, but uh, don't tell her what she can and can't do. She'll, uh, She'll get you. So we've got that as part of our Southern Political Report. And also, an honor, if you will, honor in air quotes for Florida Congressman Matt Gates. I've got all that lined up in our Southern Political Report coming before we close out this opening hour. Hour two today, we've got books to talk about. And courtesy of the website rd.com, that's Reader's Digest website, rd.com, we've got 35 best Christmas books to read around the holidays So get your pen and paper out and pay close attention. We've got our naughty list of those of you who do not listen to me when I read off the 35 best Christmas books to read this time of year. So that's coming up in our book report in hour two. We also have entertainment news hour two. Stephen Colbert having to cancel his CBS Late Show because of illness. And we'll let you know more about this Charleston native, what's going on with his health. Also, Paris Hilton welcomes a new baby. Congratulations to Paris. Also, a new baby for Tim McGraw. Not another daughter. No, he has a new baby in terms of a new EP, a surprise EP from the Curb Records artist. I assume he's still on Curb. You know, now that I think about it, I better go double check that. But yeah, he's got the number one song on country radio this week, Tim McGraw. And he's got a new surprise album out there, an EP, if you will. We'll tell you about all that in our entertainment report hour number two. And in our final hour today, we have the Taka Pola Storyteller coming back around. And, you know, we just just had Black Friday on Friday. We had Cyber Monday on Monday. And a lot of people are buying clothes. So fashion is going to be what we're going to talk about with the Taka Pola Storyteller today, Jerry Short. That's coming in our final hour. Plus, in our final hour, we will be talking about food But I'm going to do something a little different today. We just had a big Thanksgiving feast. We've got more holiday parties. We've got holiday get-togethers and and big Christmas dinner plans and all the food that you could be having and enjoy this time of year. And a lot of people really struggle with their food. So in our Southern Food for for Thought today, in our final hour, we're going to go to Healthline.com. And I found an article, Nine Tips to Stop Thinking About Food. So if you've been on that diet and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to let the month of December as it rolls around here be um, a timeout from my plan. I'm going to forget that I've been trying to eat well. I'm going to forget about thinking about food all the time. We've got this article pulled up, the nine tips to stop thinking about food to help all of us out there who need to eat a little bit better to not worry about food. And that article is lined up and coming at you in our final hour. We want you to be lined up and coming at us here at the uh, show all about the South. We want you to be a participant 
in the program. And that way to do that is to text us. We've got a text line available 24-7-615-208-4184. You can also email us here at y'all, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L.com, mail at y'all.com. Both of those ways open right now. want to hear from you on this Tuesday broadcast. Would love to get your feedback about whatever from the sports happenings of the world to the weather. I mean, for some of you across the South today, another cold day. And December is nearly here, so it, it makes sense. But a chill in the air for sure. Or if you've got something politically you, you just need to talk about, we are a friend for you. So come on and let's talk about it. Let's dive into a couple of news headlines before we take our first break of this Tuesday broadcast. And there's going to be a funeral, sadly, in East Arkansas for Officer Kalen Jacobs. And that's going to be a funeral Saturday, December 2nd at Westside Ministries in Osceola in Northeast Arkansas. The police chief of Earl, Charles Atkins, said that Officer Kalen Jacobs will receive full honors and a sea of blue is set to be held in his honor Wednesday as departments from across Arkansas will meet at Earl High School for a candlelight vigil and a memorial for this officer who was killed in a crash. Killed last week in a crash on Highway 118 north of Earl High School in Crittenden County, Arkansas. And this officer losing his life after deputies arrived on the scene. They found the patrol vehicle on the side of the road and Deputies found Jacobs inside the vehicle unresponsive and performed CPR and other, but unfortunately, he died while again on duty. He was taken to Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis in critical condition, but he later died. Again, a member of the Earl, Arkansas Police Force. The crash still under investigation by the Arkansas State Police, but the funeral service, again, will be Saturday, a sea of blue. If you're in northeast Arkansas, check it out. Wednesday, starting at 6 p.m., as departments from the natural states gather for this candlelight vigil and a memorial for Earl Police Officer Kalen Jacobs. Thank you for your service, sir. Jimmy Carter is going to attend his wife's Memorial service today in Atlanta. He will be there alongside all the living first ladies. The 99-year-old husband of Rosalind Carter helping to memorialize his wife. They were married just after World War II and made it to all these years. I guess nearly 80 years of marriage is what they enjoyed. And today there'll be a funeral at the Glen Memorial Church in Atlanta. There will be a funeral, finally, in a, in a burial Wednesday in Plains, Georgia. President Joe Biden, his wife Jill, the First Lady, will be in Atlanta for the event today. And then, of course, other living presidents and First Ladies like Bill Clinton you have First Ladies Melania Trump, Michelle Obama, Laura Bush all coming to pay their respects. 
as well as the governor of Georgia. Of course, Miss Carter was a former first lady of Georgia. And Brian and his wife, Marty Kemp, will be on side Atlanta for this. Trump, as in President Trump, President Obama, President George W. Bush, all invited but will not attend this memorial service today for Rosalind Carter. She will be laid to rest in planes on Wednesday again. we got more headlines we'll be getting to. Let's take a quick time out, come back. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about a story out of Middle Tennessee that is rather disturbing. And I'm going to tell you about it now because we are right on the edge of December. And look out no matter where you are in Dixie. you got some bad folks out there running around. And we want to give you a little heads up. We don't want bad folks running around your neighborhood if we can help it. So be aware. we got that story and much more coming up as our headlines from across the region continue. Martina McBride just said that she loved me. Well, I love you too there, Kansan. We're back here on the Y'all Show. Continue on with our headlines. That song there, I Love You, number one for Martina back in 1999. Haven't heard any new music from her in a while. We need some new new goods from you, Miss McBride. Okay. Want to make that happen before Christmas? All right. Continuing on with our news headlines across the South. You know, Martina lives in the Nashville area, and unfortunately, Nashville in the news, or at least the metro, not it's not even metro. This is actually out of either, I don't know if this is Murray County or Williamson County, because Spring Hill has the distinction of having both counties represent it. But porch pirates are bad enough this time of year, but according to the Spring Hill, Tennessee Police Department, They're now having to investigate a series of vandalism that involves front porch holiday decorations. People stealing holiday decorations this time of year. Again, it's bad enough people are stealing deliveries, Amazon deliveries and other goodies that get dropped off by UPS and more on porches. But now people are stupid enough to go and steal Christmas decorations, and that's what happened (laughs) back Right at around Thanksgiving, November 23rd and 24th, according to the Spring Hill Police Department, suspects targeted Christmas lights and front lawn inflatables. Security footage from one home shows two masked individuals approaching the front porch and smash a pumpkin and other direct decorations before running off into the night. So maybe not even stealing, just destroying some of these Christmas decorations. 
Spring Hill Police asking anyone with information to let them know. You can go on to their website and leave an anonymous tip. But that's pretty bad. That is pretty bad that people, again, this time of year, the time of year where we're supposed to be happy and all peaceful and we all can get along. And I mean, what's what's wrong with holiday decorations, right? Well, in this section of Middle Tennessee, evidently, some holiday decoration vandals on the loose. And we're looking for these two masked individuals who are out destroying the stuff. I, I will say, I'm not giving any excuse to steal or destroy holiday decorations, but I'm, I'm actually going to praise the holiday decorations. We've stepped up our game, have we not, when it comes to holiday decorations? I pointed out a couple of weeks back how impressive it was that some people went all out for Halloween, and now we're seeing people go all out for Christmas, and it's a beautiful thing. But these inflatables, one of the things these vandals in Spring Hill are doing are tearing up these inflatables. There are some impressive inflatables out there these days. And I had somebody ride around in the car with me just the other day. And they pointed out an inflatable I had never seen before. And I saw it and I had to say, that's not what that is. And sure enough. They were absolutely right. There are Christmas inflatables that you can get now with the Bucky's Beaver. The gas station out of Texas has their own giant inflatable holiday-themed Christmas inflatable. And this yard that I saw had a bunch of inflatables, but they had the Bucky Beaver, of which if you go to my Instagram, you'll see me photoed with the mascot there of Bucky's. Not long ago, when I went by a Bucky's in the Birmingham area, my Instagram, by the way, personal Instagram, if you want to follow me, I appreciate the follow, is the John Rawl, the J-O-N-R-A-W-L. And uh, not that I'm trying to become some kind of social media superstar, but check it out. Yeah, it was October 8th I was passing through, and I saw the Bucky's mascot and had my photo taken there in Leeds, Alabama. Had a good time. Loved the good food there. I think I had the the brisket that day. But yeah, there's a Bucky's inflatable you can find. Man, there's some really cute Santa Claus inflatables that I see now. And tis the season. But we got to... I'm I'm announcing this Spring Hill, Tennessee destruction of Christmas decoration story so we can all be on the lookout. There's some bad actors out there who... Get a thrill off of either stealing or destroying Christmas decorations. And you know what? There just might be a special place somewhere way down deep for those kind of individuals. <laughs> get you, you feel me? You get my drift? Tamara Sitch. She is a WWE superstar, better known as Sonny on WWE if you are into wrestling. Monday, she was sentenced to more than 17 years in Florida prison after she pleaded no contest, causing a deadly crash in 2022. Sunny, again, her wrestling name, 
was involved in a crash in Ormond Beach back in March of 2022. Police said the former pro wrestling star had a blood alcohol level of more than three times the legal limit when she caused a chain reaction crash. And during that crash, a 75-year-old man named Julian Lassiter was killed and others were injured. Authorities said Sash had an unsealed bottle of vodka in her car at the time of the crash. Sonny pleaded no contest to two felony charges, DUI causing death and driving with a suspended license causing death, as well as six misdemeanor charges. The 50-year-old WWE former star has been in jail since May of last of this year rather after her bond was revoked. She was facing a maximum 25 years in prison but again WWE superstar Sonny aka Tammy Sitch She's now been sentenced to more than 17 years in prison for this deadly crash that she caused by drinking and driving. A bad, bad, real bad combination. And lastly, in our headlines across the Southeast, another bad, bad individual is Alec Murdoch. Now, he's already been convicted of killing his wife and son. And he's now going to be sentenced for stealing from his 18 clients. He recently pleaded guilty to all these crimes of stealing from his clients. And today, the the people he had their, I guess you would call it their royalties, because that's where a lot of this came from. He stole from the awards from cases. These people are going to be able to look at him. They're a disgraced lawyer. They're going to be able to look at him in the face and let it all out in front of him. And it's going to be rather rather eventful. I, I think you'll probably see a lot of emotion here on this guy who has already been convicted of murder in South Carolina and sentenced for a decade worth of thefts now from clients in Some of these included his own law partners. State prosecutors and Murdoch's lawyers negotiated a 27-year prison sentence for the man who is already serving a life term without parole after a jury back in March, I believe it was, found him guilty of killing his wife Maggie and his youngest son Paul back in June of 2021. Now he definitely denies killing them and he's trying to get a new trial but these are financial crimes that he's already pled guilty to and today the victims are going to be able to look him in the eye and let him have it more Alec Murdoch news for you here on the y'all show we got other bad criminal stories out of South Carolina that we'll be getting to as we continue on with the news headlines Today, also we've got some firings in both the NFL and college football that we'll be sharing with you as we get to our news headlines in hour number two. But we're going to go to a timeout now on the show. When we come back, we've got our weekly look, our, a deep dive, if you will, into the politics of, of the Southeast. And we've got some Nikki Haley money information. And Matt Gates of Florida picks up a... <laughs> Award. All that is coming. Plus, I've got the latest poll numbers to tell you about as the Y'all Show Tuesday edition continues. Mm-hmm. 
Decade of the 1970s rolled around. That song right there from Bosher City, Louisiana native David Houston was the first number one of the 1970s. Baby, baby, I know you're a lady. David Houston would die in 1993 at the age of 54. He died of a brain aneurysm. With some great music from David Houston here on. But y'all show some classic country. That put out on Epic Records here. We're the Y'all Show. We love to tell you about history. We love to tell you about food. We love to tell you about travel. We we really have a, a dang good time. We hope you enjoy listening to our program. I ran into one of our listeners on Monday, and he said, Man, I just enjoy your show. I learned so much. By listening to the Y'all Show. So I thank you. I got. I think I caught the guy a little bit off guard. He, he didn't expect to run into me. And so I guess he thought I was based somewhere like uh, Manhattan or East L.A. No, 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 no. I'm right here in Dixie. Sorry. They're not going to have me move to those other places outside of our southern sphere. But glad to be with you and glad to share with you all the goings on across the southeast and by all means if you um and i've had this happen i've had people hear me talking and say hey are you john that guy that runs his mouth about the south yeah that's me and i feel sorry for anybody who kind of sounds like me that maybe some of y'all have gone up to and say hey are you that john guy that has that big mouth about the south and it's not me uh sorry fellas i guess i guess it would be the fellows that get Stopped. I don't think too many ladies sound like me, but I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, I was uh, born with this voice. I haven't transitioned to to this voice. <laughs> but thank you. Whether you catch us in catch me in person and say I enjoy your show, or you just listen to it, we appreciate it. All all of you listeners mean the world to me, and that's why we call this show the Y'all Show. It's all about y'all, baby. Just like David Houston was just singing, baby, baby. Uh, baby, it's all about y'all, and we're glad to tell you about it. Let's talk a little politics here on today's Y'all Show. And the story today is the real clear politics numbers. As President Trump continues to look 
mighty good on the Republican side. The latest Real Clear Politics election poll, the poll average, if you will, shows nationwide Trump with a 61.6 poll average, and his nearest competitor is Ron DeSantis with 13.7. Haley of South Carolina, 9.8, and Vivek Ramaswamy at 4.9. This is the National Republican poll average, according to Real Clear Politics. Then you can start breaking it down how well they're doing in some of these early primary states. Trump, currently with a 47-point margin in Iowa, Ron DeSantis is right at 17, so 40, I may have said 41, 47 is what Trump has in Iowa, and he's got a 30-point edge over Ron DeSantis at 17. Haley is checking in right around 14, and then Tim Scott is actually number four in Iowa. He's already dropped out. When you get to New Hampshire, Trump right there in that state, right around that same 46-47 poll average. Haley actually on top of all the other contenders in New Hampshire, she's polling right around 18%. Chris Christie, who's put a lot of effort into New Hampshire, he's at 11.3% in the polling average of New Hampshire. Is that the Granite State? I'll just call it the Yankee State. Yeah, that's uh, what's going on there in New Hampshire. And then as far as South Carolina goes, which is the first state in the South with a primary, this particular breakdown does not show South Carolina. Hmm. Now, what about potential matchups between Joe Biden and the Republicans, the potential Republicans in a general election matchup? The latest Real Clear Politics polling has Trump over Biden right now, 47 to 44. DeSantis over Biden, 46 to 45, and then Nikki Haley, 45-41 over Joe Biden. So Haley has the largest margin of any of these people with a four-point edge over Biden in a potential general election matchup. But the amazing thing here, as of November 28th, all three of the big three contenders, and Trump would be the biggest of the big three, are topping Joe Biden, the sitting president of the United States. And we heard this when Trump was in office. He, he he was really down in the polls. And in the end, he lost the election. So there may be something to these polls, but it's not a good look thus far for Joe Biden. It's not a good look for some of these other Republicans who are trying to play catch up and knock Trump from his perch. Right now he's enjoying a comfortable lead in all these southern states. And I I didn't find the South Carolina polling numbers, but if you saw Trump over the weekend, he was in Columbia. He went to the South Carolina Clemson football game at Williams-Brice Stadium. And based on crowd reaction, of which Trump 
showed up and Nikki Haley, a Clemson grad, a member of the board of trustees of that university, she did not show up and her team won. <laughs> Eight of the last nine years, the Tigers have beat the Gamecocks. Uh, Based on my unofficial polling of Williams-Brice Stadium, I'd say Trump had a 95% positive reaction there. And so South Carolina is Trump country. And it looks like Iowa and New Hampshire seem to be that way too. And if you start counting up all the other southern states, I'd have to say just about every southern state would easily go for Trump at this point in, in the Republican primary, for sure. And if you go up against Biden in a general election, I think the numbers are going to be better for Trump this year than it will, than it, or, or rather in 2024 than 2020. Amazing, amazing times. A guy who was essentially run out of office for COVID. Run of run out of office for the scandals, if you will, the impeachments, and as he's always maintained, it's all a hoax, and it's all been the China virus. And you know what? He end up he could end up being um, he could end up being president again. And you know, it's amazing to see the pundits out here talking about, oh my God. If Trump wins, it's going to be the end of democracy, blah, 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 blah. I just I just don't think that's the case. I think that's just a scare tactic. And I'm, I'm tired of hearing the scare tactics about this guy. I mean, he didn't tear down the democracy. Those uh, people on January 6th had every right to protest, just like anybody has a right to protest. Did they have a right to go into the Capitol? No. Were they prosecuted? Some have been. Most have been. But if you go back and look at this newly released video, you'll see a pretty good argument for a lot of those protesters that the Capitol Police weren't really trying to keep them out of there. So I don't know what I would have done in that case. If I'd have gone all the way up there and got caught up in the emotion, I, I, I don't think, unless they were screaming out, if you come in here, you're going to be arrested and you're going to go off to jail for a couple of years, I would have thought this would have been no different than all the other BLM protests that have been happening for two years and things got torn up and buildings got invaded and more really what's the difference I'm sure that was the mindset of a lot of these people on January 6 but what about all the hundreds hundreds and hundreds of other protests that went awry nothing's happened to my knowledge nothing's happened of any major consequence and 20 people, roughly, were killed in all those other BLM protests. And you hear nothing about it. So Trump, maybe maybe the general population out there has been holding back. You're, you're tired of hearing about January 6th. And you're also tired of hearing Trump complain about the 2020 election. But maybe he's got a point. You know what? That's why we have primaries. And if you are truly tired of hearing about Trump, you can get rid of him. You can outvote him and the primaries coming up in your respective state. Or if you're a conservative, you can get on the Trump train and you can go knock off Joe Biden. And that would be one heck of a turnaround, you say. Again, right now, Trump, Nikki Haley, and Florida Governor DeSantis all edging out Biden 
in this theoretical polling average from Real Clear Politics. Now, Nikki Haley is gaining a lot of ground. In some areas, she's even outdoing Ron DeSantis. Well, billionaire Ken Langone is meeting with her, and he becomes the latest Republican donor to consider supporting her effort for president. And he is a big-time conservative donor. He's the co-founder of Home Depot. And now he hasn't quite made up his mind who he's going to throw his hat behind in the 2024 race, but he is a big donor that is at least willing to sit down and meet with Haley. He said he's impressed with her spunk and her reasonable stance on abortion. That's what this guy said in an interview with CNN on Monday. And he also said that she appeals to him because she's gaining ground. Now, he says whether she can gain enough ground to be a spoiler, who knows, but a lot of people that I respect are jumping on her bandwagon. And again, if she can pull in a big donor like Langone, kudos to her, Nikki Haley, trying to make a big push here in the weeks before Iowa. Now, let's tell you a little bit about an honor coming into a Florida congressman, Matt Gates. According to columnist Juan Williams, Juan Williams, of course, for many years on Fox News as part of The Five, well, he is a writer for TheHill.com, and Juan Williams, in an opinion piece on that website, has authored the article, Matt Gates is 2023's Politician of the Year. So, yay, Matt Gates. Matt Gates, you are Juan's politician of the year and the reason Juan Williams gives Gates this title is because he writes Gates is a living monument to an era of elected Republican officials with no interest in governing wow wow now whatever Matt Gates can outdo George Santos that's that's saying something but Juan Williams, who is by me, no means a conservative, is essentially saying the Republicans in Congress, after taking control, have done nothing. Have done nothing. And so he's complaining that Gates was just trying to raise his personal profile and stir up donations. And I don't agree with Juan Williams. I think Matt Gates did a good thing. And there were lots of opportunities for Kevin Mark McCarthy to make a lot of stuff happen long before the late September, October, whenever that was, coup that led him, and, and that's a terrible word to say when you're talking about a democracy, but it kind of was a coup of the eight Republicans who joined up with the Democrats to kick McCarthy out of the House Speaker position. But I do not agree with Juan Williams in his opinion piece. You can go to thehill.com and read all about it and hear what the Panama-born columnist has to say about the Panama City. Congressman Matt Gates, the guy with the pretty hair. That wraps up Hour 1. We got more y'all fun coming up, so hang on for the fun.
And we're back here for hour two on this Tuesday Y'all show powered by y'all.com. We're available in podcast form on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, plus Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes. All of those options free of charge. All you got to do is go on to any of those and search Y'all Show, and we're right there awaiting your free download. And you can easily share to all your buddies and all your gal pals. It's a great way of sharing what's going on across the Southeast each and every day that we do this program called Y'all. John Rawl is my name. I am the general of all things Southern, and it's wonderful to have you here for another hour as we've got great stuff coming your way. We've got more headlines. We've got our Southern book report coming up, and I've got an interesting book report today. We don't have any Southern connections with our New York Times top couple of books, so because of that, because we're about to turn the calendar over to December, I've got this incredible story posted at rd.com, that's readersdigest.com, and they've got the article, 35 Best Christmas Books to Read Around the Holidays. So get your uh, get your stockings out and cut on the Christmas tree lights. We've got Christmas on our mind, the best Christmas books. We'll be sharing that with you in our Southern Book Report in the next segment. And before Hour 2 is in the books, we've got a quick entertainment report to tell you about stephen colbert the south carolina native not able to host his cbs late show on monday what's going on with him i'll fill you in paris hilton welcomes a new baby and tim mcgraw has a surprise ep that he's just put out that's got the number one song in all of country music on it all that's in our entertainment news of the day coming later this hour to get involved with y'all, you can always text us, 615-208-4184, and you can email us, mail at y'all.com. Back into the news headlines of the day here on the show all about the Southeast. So we wanted to let you know that in Georgia today, all the living first ladies will be going to Atlanta to attend the memorial service going on today. For Rosalind Carter, the wife of Jimmy Carter, who passed away at age 96 last week, she died November 19th in Plains, Georgia, at her home. And today, President Joe Biden, his wife Jill, the Clintons, both Bill and Hillary, as well as First Ladies Melania Trump, Michelle Obama, Laura Bush, all coming to Atlanta to pay their respects. And they'll be doing that in Atlanta for this Glen Memorial Church service. She'll be buried Wednesday in Plains at the Carter Presidential Home there in Sumter County, Georgia. But today, a solemn day as all these first ladies coming together. They were, the Carters married 77 plus years. Got married just after Jimmy served in World War II as a naval officer and they're the uh, longest married presidential couple in American history, the Carters. And we uh, know all well all the work they did out of office with Habitat for Humanity and more. But today it's going to be a a special day in a sad way as all these first ladies come to remember Rosalind Carter. 
Now to Arkansas. An exhibition will be opening up in Little Rock at the Clinton Presidential Center. They announced that the Be Our Guest exhibition will open up later this week. This exhibition offers insights into the state visits that President Bill Clinton did during his time in office back in the 1990s. And those state visits included planning, politics, and the execution of them by his administration. The exhibition at the Clinton Presidential Center will include gifts given to former President Bill Clinton as part of a visit, China selected for table service, and more. Also included is a compilation of musical performances given by other uh, artists when he was on these state visits. Those musical performances included acts like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Whitney Houston, Lou Reed, and Liza Minnelli. The exhibition, Be Our Guest, at the Clinton Presidential Library in Little Rock, Arkansas, includes vignettes highlighting 14 of the hundreds of diplomatic events that Clinton took during his eight years in office. So if you want to get a little international, you can go check this out with the Clinton Presidential Library in Little Rock. And I didn't even know that thing was as visible as it was until I ran across it. And it didn't have me turning off the interstate instantly to go see it, but the exhibition was curated by the Clinton Presidential Library, and it will be on display if you miss it when it opens later this week. You can go check it out. It will be on display until May 27th of next year. May 27th of next year. So you got plenty of time. Make your plans to go to Little Rock and check it out. The Clinton Presidential Library. I guess his presidential library, if you look at more modern presidents, uh, George W. Bush's library is on the campus of SMU in Dallas. And Trump doesn't have a presidential library. You know, I haven't even been told where he would even put one. He needs to put it in China. <laughs> uh, a lot of people would rather have his library in China, I'm sure. Um, and then you got uh, prior to, I guess, Obama's building one in Chicago. That thing's taken way, way too long to build, FYI. And then you got uh, Clinton's in Arkansas. The George H.W. Bush Library, I believe, is at Texas A&M. That's where he's buried. And then going back before him, you got Reagan in California. So those are some of our more modern United States presidents and where you can find their libraries in case you want to do a little traveling in the holiday time. But uh, I think the Clinton Library would be probably worth checking out. And this new exhibition, certainly worth checking out if you get to the state capital of the natural state anytime soon. Here's a story from the PD of South Carolina to tell you about. A man from Florence, South Carolina, has been charged in an $80,000 chicken heist that happened in Sumter County. 55-year-old Christopher Thomas was supposed to deliver 41,000 pounds of chicken to two locations in Georgia, but he had other plans to make cash, according to the Sumter County, South Carolina Sheriff's Office. 
according to a worker at the Pilgrim's Pride plant. I don't know how you get $80,000 worth of chicken out of the plant in the first place, but (laughs) they busted this guy trying to steal $80,000 worth of frozen chicken. That would be 41,000 pounds of chicken that he was supposed to deliver to Milton, Georgia. Instead, he had a plan to keep it for himself. And uh, not a good not a good look. Investigators believe that he sold part of the load of chicken he was transporting in various locations and was in the process of selling more when deputies pulled him over for a traffic stop. Whoa. So he nearly got away with it. When he gave consent to deputies to search the truck, the investigator saw pallets loaded with cases of frozen chickens, which was confirmed to be stolen from Pilgrim's Pride. I guess they had turned in a notice that they had had chicken stolen, and because he got stopped not far from the Sumter, South Carolina plant, boom, he got hit with a bunch of chicken charges. (laughs) Arrested and approximately seven pallets loaded with 215 cases of chicken were taken away. It is believed that he sold about 33,000 pounds of chicken. So you might want to double check if you're having frozen chicken anytime soon. This guy, Christopher Thomas of South Carolina, just might be your chicken, chicken guy that gave you stolen chicken on your plate. Let's hope not. Unfortunately, it's another truck driver taken off the road because we have a shortage of truck drivers out there. We don't need them off the road because they're stealing $80,000 worth of chicken. In this case, that's what uh, Mr. Thomas, the chicken man, was doing in SC. Not smart. Not smart. How about that sheriff's office there being proactive in their traffic stop and asking him to open up open up and see what's inside there that's that's pretty pretty good law enforcement work i would have to say good job news out of the nfl monday the carolina panthers fired frank reich he was one in ten as the leader of the nfl franchise based in charlotte one in ten And Frank Reich becomes the first NFL coach to be fired in back-to-back years. In the 2022 season, the Indianapolis Colts fired Reich. And then he goes to Charlotte this year, the team that he was the very first quarterback in that franchise's history. Yours truly witnessed him quarterback in the Panthers on a Labor Day weekend game in 1995, when he took the Carolina Panthers into Atlanta and they lost to the Falcons in overtime in that very first game in franchise history. And so I even have a Frank Reich number 14 jersey with his name on the back from way back then. That's pretty strong. I don't know if I'm going to be wearing it anytime soon because Panther fans probably want to burn any memory of Frank Reich at this point. He's a good guy. Believe it or not, Frank Reich is a Presbyterian ordained minister and has a church in Charlotte and has had a church 
for a long time. So he's a quality guy. It just wasn't working, and it sure wasn't working with owner David Tepper. David Tepper has fired three coaches in his six years of owning the team. He has the reputation now as somebody you do not want to go work for. I am mad at David Tepper. And I'm primarily mad at him because what he did in Rock Hill, the authorities there in both the state of South Carolina and the local people teamed up with the Panthers, and they were going to build this, I think it was more than a billion-dollar practice facility in South Carolina. They'd already started construction. They'd already done about a – it might have been a billion dollars worth of work. They were building a new exit specifically for this training complex. It was going to be the equivalent of what the Dallas Cowboys have in Frisco. It was a great thing. And then for no reason whatsoever, Tepper pulls the plug and and literally just eats nearly a billion dollars on this effort. Why would anybody do that? And no good reason has ever come out of this. They need a place to practice. They had a great place. It wasn't in Charlotte, but it was about 25 minutes away. Convenient. Heck, he even bought a golf course that had been abandoned about five miles down the road from the practice facility, and I guess they were going to have a their own golf course for the players. I'm not sure what he had in mind there. But he... This richest owner in the NFL decided to just waste away a billion dollars. That will get you angry. That'll get at least half of your fan base, the ones that live in South Carolina, scratching their head saying, why would he do this? Now, the theory some people have is he was willing to eat a billion dollars in South Carolina so that when it came to negotiating a new stadium in Charlotte and North Carolina, the folks there would just bend over because they saw that he's willing to eat a billion dollars in loss on a practice facility. This guy, if you make him mad, he's going to pack up and take his franchise to another city. And there are other suitors out there that would love to have an NFL franchise. I don't know what's going on with this guy, but right now he's got a a dumpster fire. And it's not been a good look for several years. Remember, this is the team that drafted Bryce Young from Alabama as the number one overall pick. They traded with Chicago to get that number one pick. They have had lots and lots and lots of really – let me just be real honest with you. As a guy who's kind of followed this team, there really hasn't been a good moment with the Panthers since David Tepper took over. Nothing good has come out of this. And I don't like the way he treated Jerry Richardson, the original Panthers owner. Take, took his statue away from the stadium. I want that statue back. And I want Jerry Richardson, the only reason there's an NFL franchise in the Carolinas, to be properly recognized. I think the stadium probably should be Jerry Richardson's stadium Bank of America field or something like that. 
I don't care what the controversy was with him that supposedly led to him leaving the team and selling the team. Mr. Richardson died, I think it was last year. Might have been early this year. He's he's passed away now. And the Panthers still honor him by going to Walford for training camp each year. That's where he played his college football there in Spartanburg, South Carolina. But the Panthers are the worst team by far in the NFL. And as long as David Tepper goes and does his thing. By the way, he had a tirade after the Panthers lost to the Titans in Nashville Sunday. And reporters witnessed him coming out of the locker room with the F-bomb said repeatedly. I mean, he, he's lost it. Look, there's other people. There are other people, Mr. Tepper, that would love a chance to own an NFL franchise. I know you may be the richest guy out there, but you're wasting your money. You're not helping a fan base. You are not really helping the NFL at this point. You should just take whatever money you can get out of a sale and, and you go back to Wall Street or whatever you do with your money. You're a terrible owner. By the way, he's got a whatever they call that, Major League Soccer team also in Charlotte. And in, uh, I think it's been in three years, he's got three different coaches of that team. And one one of those teams even made the playoffs, and he still fired the coach. Hmm. Tepper, Tepper, Tepper. Some, some people with money, they might have a lot of money, but that doesn't mean they know what they're doing. And that might be the perfect example of that. Now, let's tell you about some college football news. MTSU in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, has let go of Rick Stockstill. He had been, I think he was the third most tenured college football coach out there. And MTSU Director of Athletics Chris Massaro announced on Monday that Rick Stockstill out as the Blue Raiders coach. He was hired... December of 2005, so he started leading the program in the 2006 season. 18 years spent in the borough coaching MTSU. Along the way, they had wins like against the Miami Hurricanes. That was a big win. Won a bowl game or two during his time. And overall, did, I would say, an above-average job of coaching MTSU. But this year has not been a good year. And this Conference USA team now out with Rick Stockstill, a new coach now being recruited to come to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, to lead the Blue Raider football team. Wish Coach Stockstill the best, a guy who is well-beloved. Believe it or not, he was at one time a Tampa Bay bandit quarterback, I think. He's got a connection to Steve Spurrier. And the Bandits were coached by Steve Spurrier back in the early 1980s. And I believe Stockstill himself, was he's a former Florida Gator. I think I'm right on that. But um, he's been aligned with Spurrier a couple of times in his career, and now the Blue Raiders looking for a new coach. Hey, they ought to go get Steve Spurrier. I'm not kidding. I mean, what else is he doing these days? He's a native Tennessean, so that'd be a nice fit. In fact, Steve Spurrier would be a nice fit at ETSU. Not MTSU, but ETSU. They are also looking for a new coach in Johnson City. And that is Steve Spurrier's hometown. 
So that would be a really good, really good way to wrap up his coaching career. The old ball coach. <laughs> That's a look at some of your headlines across today. You hang on when we get to hour number three today. We've got a story about the cheeseburger Yelp findings for the state of Mississippi. If you're wanting to get to Mississippi, I'll tell you what, according to Yelp, the best cheeseburger joints from Alcorn County all the way to Mississippi City on the Gulf Coast. Yeah, we've got you we've got you covered, Mississippi, with your burger talk coming up in our final hour. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got our book report of the week, and we've got in addition to the New York Times bestsellers for fiction and nonfiction, we've got the 35 best Christmas books to read around the holidays. RD.com has come up with that list, and we will be happy to tell you all about great books to read during the Yule Tide. And that is coming up. We should rename that, by the way, the Y'all Tide. <laughs> More Y'all is ahead. Mr. Grinch, you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster. Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're a vile one. All right, that's one of the songs you get to hear this time of year. And I've always wondered who is that voice on that Mr. Grinch song. That would be Thurl Ravenscroft. You familiar with Thurl? A Nebraska-born singer who lived all the way till 2005. He died at the age of 91 years old. He was a guy that had that booming voice. Uh, he was on commercials like Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. I guess he did. Your he did the Tony Tiger. They're great. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Thurl Ravenscroft. There you go. The voice behind that song right there. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. We are playing that tune right now as we continue on with this Tuesday Y'all show because we've got our Southern Book Report where we look at some of the best-selling books out there on the New York Times bestsellers list. And Christmas books are also a little bit of our topic today in our Southern Book Report because we've got an article from rd.com, readersdigest.com, and that article is all about books that you need to have on your list of things to do, things to read, that is, as we've got Christmas upon us. So we'll be sharing that here on our breakdown of books. But looking at the New York Times bestsellers list right now, it's a good time to be Rebecca Yaros, as her books are number one and number two back to back on the combined print and ebook fiction category. 
or book that's been out two weeks, Iron Flame, is number one, the second book in the Empyrean series. Number one, Iron Flame. Her second book, or book that's at number two, is Fourth Wing, and that one's been out about half a year. Fourth Wing from Rebecca Yaros, New York Times bestseller for fiction. The number three fiction category book from the New York Times is David Baldacci's The Edge. And it's brand new this week. The second book in the 620-man series, Travis Devine investigates the murder of the CIA operative Jenny Silkwell in rural Maine. The Edge, number one, or rather number three, but it's first week on the New York Times bestsellers list. Number four, brand new this week, a brand new book from Martha Wells, System Collapse, the seventh book in the Murder, what does that say? Murderbot Diaries. The Murderbot Diaries series. System Collapse. Martha Wells, number four. And number five is Mitch Album. You probably have seen him on various sports shows. He's been a sports journalist. Mitch Album has a book this week called The Little Liar, The Actions of an 11-Year-Old Boy Help facilitate the delivery of Jewish residents, including his family, to Auschwitz from World War II. Mitch Album, really surprising folks with a book about World War II and the Holocaust. And this book from him, a fiction book, The Little Liar, debuts this week at number five on the New York Times bestsellers list. Looking at the nonfiction reads, number one is Matthew Perry. In his book that he wrote some time ago, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. That book, number one right now, has moved up to that spot after the passage of Matthew Perry two months ago. Number two is Britney Spears. She's gone down to number two after being atop the bestsellers list in the nonfiction category. The Woman in Me. As the Grammy Award-winning pop star details her personal and professional experiences, including the years she spent under a conservatorship that was overseen by her father. Jamie, I believe, is his name. The Woman in Me, from Britney Spears, number two in the nonfiction category. A book that's been out about two weeks now. It's a self-titled, or rather a, a, a self-authored book, from Barbara Streisand. My name is Barbara and here in this book, she showcases her journey in the show business and reveals details about some of her personal relationships. Oh, Lordy. Barbara Streisand, her book now, number three on the New York Times nonfiction list. Number four, brand new this week, it's a book called My Effin' Life from Getty Lee. The musician known for his work with the band Rush chronicles his life as the child of Holocaust survivors and his time in the limelight. Getty Lee, my effing life, the singer from Rush with a book out this week. And then David Grind's book that's been out a long time, almost two years now on the nonfiction bestsellers list. It's number five this week, Killers of the Flower Moon. And those are your New York Times bestsellers for fiction and nonfiction. Megan Jones has authored an article at rd.com. That's Reader's Digest website, rd.com. And all you Reader's Digest readers may be familiar with the work that Megan does for 
rd.com. Well, her latest is an article that is very timely for right now. It's an article titled 35 Best Christmas Books to Read Around the Holidays. As she writes, is there anything more Christmassy than curling up under the tree with a good Christmas book? Maybe a little coffee to go along with that and some other Christmas goodies. Yes, yes, Christmas cookies would be good there with that book. Well, Megan has done a good job with this 35 Best Christmas Books to Read Around the Holidays article. Let me walk through some of these as they're wonderful festive page turners for you to consider reading this time of year. One of them is Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, a coming-of-age classic that takes place around Christmas. didn't realize that Little Women, which has been made into at least one film adaptation, a good read this time of year. Another good read is Letters from Father Christmas from J.R.R. Tolkien. How about A Christmas Carol from Charles Dickens? No surprise that this classic would be on the list. The 1843 book still as relevant now as it was when it first came out, and you can learn all about good old Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. Truman Capote, there's a guy with a southern connection. He's got the book out, A Christmas Memory, and that is a good read this time of year. According to RD.com, The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry is a book worth checking out this time of year. How about Agatha Christie's Hercule Perrault's Christmas? A Christmas read for the year. The Christmas, rather, The Greatest Gift by Philip Van Dorenstern is a book that also has become a film. You could check that book out. How about Mr. Dickens and His Carol by Samantha Silva? This is a historical fiction novel, first published in 2017. John Grisham, did you realize he has a Christmas book? The Southern writer has Skipping Christmas, and it also has become a film. It's a funny Christmas movie, according to Megan in this article. Skipping Christmas. (laughs) After their grown daughter leaves for the Peace Corps, Luther and Nora Crank decide to eschew all the holiday hubbub this year in favor of a Caribbean cruise, but a surprise changes all their plans and hilarious hijinks ensue. Skipping Christmas first came out back in 2001 from John Grisham. How about Jasmine Guillory's Royal Holiday. Also on this book of books to read this time of year. David Sardaris's Holidays on Ice is a book to read this time of year. Hazel Gaynor and Heather Webb penned Last Christmas in Paris. And that is a book to read, according to her. The song that I was playing when we came into this segment about Mr. Grinch How the Grinch Stole Christmas. you dang right this would be on the list. And uh, it's right here on 35 Books to Read this time of year from rd.com. This book first came out in 1957. Another one is Glenn Beck, the political talk show host, has The Christmas Sweater. 
It first debuted in 2008, but still a good read from the TV host and radio talk show host, Glenn Beck. The Snow Child is a book worth checking out. It's a 2012 Pulitzer Prize-nominated book about a childless older couple in Alaska that discovers a young girl emerging from the woods alone, and they grow to love her as a daughter. It's a touching book, it sounds like. How about Daria White's My What If Christmas Wish? Is a book worth reading this time of year. Frederick Backman's The Deal of a Lifetime, a 2017 book that's out there for you to check out. Lots of other really good books, and I encourage you to go check out rd.com and see if one of these is right up your alley because it is Christmas time, y'all. It is Christmas time in the South, and we want you to be in the mood and reading a good Christmas book will I think put you right where you need to be when good old St. Nick comes around and if nothing else we remember the true reason for the season and that's the birth of Jesus Christ Merry Christmas from the Y'all Show to all y'all when we come back on the Y'all Show we're going to wrap up this hour number two of our Tuesday fun as we will have an entertainment report we've got news coming in On Paris Hilton, she has just birthed another baby. Congratulations to her. And also in our entertainment news of the day, we've got info coming in on Stephen Colbert, the Charleston, South Carolina hometown guy. Got a bit of a health scare. Had to miss out on the show on CBS. We'll tell you about that and more. Things that don't matter way too much. I let the way back winds and my old friends scatter like they were dust. I get to chasing that rainbow pot of gold, riding through the pouring rain with nothing to show for it. Standing there soaking with looking up, shaking my fist as the thunder rolls. Out and then on nights like this, I catch a thunderbolt. I wanna live a life, live a life like a dollar in the clock on the wall. Don't only shine a light, shine a light like Mama's front porch when I'm lost and lonely. Stop forgiving and start forgetting. Be somebody that's worth remembering. Live a life so when I die, there's standing room only, standing room. Uh, that's the number one song in all of country music this week. Congratulations to Tim McGraw. Standing room only. I got more Tim McGraw's info I'll pass along in a sec. We're back here wrapping up this second hour of the Y'all Show with a little country music news and entertainment news from TV and Holly Weird and, and wherever else we can get entertainment stories of the day. On this show, powered by y'all.com, we are the y'all show. Let's start off with news out of 
New York City, and a guy from Charleston, South Carolina, hosts a nightly show called Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And Colbert ended up having to cancel several episodes of his late-night talk show on CBS after severing a ruptured appendix. And there are lots of you out there who have had appendix issues, and I know you probably can sympathize with the low country fella Stephen Colbert with his cancellation this week coming out of the Thanksgiving break. Colbert announced Monday that he has to cancel this week's previously scheduled new episodes of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert as he recovers from surgery. Colbert, in his smart, elec way, I wish I could use a, another term here, but in his you know typical smart alec way, says, sorry to say that I have to cancel our shows this week. I'm sure you're thinking, turkey overdose, Steve, gravy boat capsize, question mark. Actually, I'm recovering from surgery for a ruptured appendix, he wrote. And Colbert added that he's grateful for his doctor's care. And he extended gratitude to his wife, Evie Colbert, and their kids for, quote, putting up with him. As he joked at the end of his social media statement, going forward, all emails to my appendix will be handled by my pancreas. (laughs) Uh, He is funny. Unfortunately for Stephen Colbert, he has a very serious bout while he's getting all this medical treatment. He might want to look into his his very, very severe case of TDS because, boy, does he have it. And that would be Trump derangement syndrome. 80% of his show is usually about bashing Trump and has been for at least five years. Jennifer Garner, the South song, by the way. Patrick Stewart, Kelsey Grammer. Barbara Streisand and others were set to appear as guests on The Late Show starting today, tonight, actually, when they got back from their Thanksgiving break. But they're having to push it back because Colbert won't be there. The Late Show airs Monday through Friday at 11.35 Eastern, 10.35 Central on CBS. Also streams on Paramount+. Plus. I'm not sure what they'll do going forward this week with the shows that Colbert was supposed to be on, but because of his ruptured appendix, he won't be there. Something tells me they'll have reruns. Just just a guess. Nobody at CBS has me on their email list. Congratulations to Paris Hilton. She's turning into quite the mom. On Instagram and TikTok, the reality TV star and hotel heiress, posted about welcoming a second child as she's had a daughter named London. She and her husband, Carter Room, also parents of a infant son, Phoenix. She's been a busy lady. Paris Hilton, with the picture of her new baby in a pink outfit, saying, thankful for my baby girl. And again, the baby's name is London. Hilton also shared a video in which she's holding her son and saying, I'm a big brother, as her husband cheers them on. Paris Hilton, a mother now of two. And I'm guessing she's got to be somewhere around 40. 
you know, she didn't fall into the trap that some of these other ladies around her same age did. And, and they tried to make her look like an idiot. I don't think Paris Hilton ever was truly in the idiot category, a.k.a. the white trash category. <laughs> kind of hard to do that when your last name is Hilton. But, uh, yeah, Paris Hilton, congratulations. Now, a mother, and we, you know, I consider myself a little bit of white trash, so I, I, I can I can defend all of you fellow white trash folks out there. But a mother now, and I'm, I'm trying to pull this up here. Help me out, computer. Help me out here. How old is Paris? How old is Paris Hilton? I got so many keyboards, I can't keep track of this stuff. We're running out of time in this hour. I better get to it. While I'm looking that up, I want to let you know again about Tim McGraw. He has just released a new EP. He also has the number one song in the country right now. Paris Hilton, by the way, is 42 years young. Okay, now that I got that out of the way. Let me tell you about Tim McGraw as we wrap up this hour of the Y'all Show. His song, Standing Room Only, it goes to number one. A song co-written by Craig Wiseman, Tommy Cecil, and Patrick Murphy, kudos to that achievement there for Tim McGraw. Also, he's got this surprise six-song EP that has just come out called Poet's Resume. It's a surprise, as I said. Nobody thought that he would be putting out new music before the end of the year, but that's indeed what's happened for Tim McGraw. Congratulations again. He's 54, 55 years young. And get the number one song in country music. And Poet's Resume is his new EP. Check it out just in time for Christmas. That wraps up Hour 2 of the Y'all Show. of our Tuesday fun. This is Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. John Rawl is my name. Good to have you aboard. Podcasts of this show available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, and Apple iTunes. All free of charge. Just search Y'all Show and you'll be good to go. We're good to go with this final hour. More headlines included in our headlines. We got an article about the top cheeseburger joints in Mississippi. That, according to Yelp, I'll have that momentarily. Also, we got the Takapola Storyteller dropping by in a few minutes. And Jerry Short is his name. And we are going to be talking about fashion. It's going to be hip to have the Takapola Storyteller on this week. And we've got that lined up in our next segment. Before we get out of here this hour... We talk about food a lot. I'm going to talk about cheeseburgers here in just a few moments, but we've got a very helpful article that we found at healthline.com. It's an article about nine tips 
to stop thinking about food. This is a time of year where a lot of you kind of take a break from eating or, 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 or you take a break from the policing of your eating because it's the holidays. But guess what? You start off January with lots of extra pounds and maybe you, you shouldn't quite have that policy. We realize that food is a very touchy subject for many of you. It's a it's a real challenge for many of you. And so that's why we're going to take a few minutes and wrap up our show today with nine tips to stop thinking about food. That's coming up all in our final hour. You can join us here on the Y'all Show. We have an email address available, mail, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L dot com. We also have our 24-7 text line, 615-208-4184. We'd love to hear from you here on the show about the Southeast. A look at some of our news headlines of the day in a story out of Northeast Arkansas. Funeral arrangements have now been set for Officer Kalen Jacobs. Jacobs, a member of the Earl Arkansas Police Force, and he was killed in the line of duty in a car crash a few days back, and now the funeral is now set for Saturday, December 2nd at Westside Ministries in Osceola, Arkansas, with a visitation from 12 until 2. On Wednesday, a sea of blue will be held in memory of Officer Kalen Jacobs, and that sea of blue will start off at Earl High School with a candlelight vigil and a memorial for Officer Kalen Jacobs who died in a car crash on the day before Thanksgiving on Highway 118 north of Earl High School. And the officer was in his, I think he was in his mid-20s when he lost his life in this crash. But people from throughout the natural state heading to Earl to remember this member of the Crittenden County, Arkansas law enforcement community who was killed again in a tragic holiday week wreck. The crash still under investigation by Arkansas State Police, but our thoughts with the family of Officer Jacobs with that sea of blue set for Wednesday, the funeral in Osceola going to be taking place on Saturday. A funeral set today in Atlanta for Rosalind Carter, also a funeral set for Wednesday in her hometown at her Marantha Baptist Church there in Plains, Georgia, and then the burial also at the Carter family home in Plains, Georgia. That's Wednesday, but today all living former First Ladies will be joining Jill Biden and President Joe Biden as they go to Atlanta for this funeral of sorts taking place in Atlanta today for Rosalind Carter, who died a few days back at the age of 96 years young. And Jimmy Carter is actually going to be on hand for this event, the funeral at Glen Memorial Church in Atlanta. She died November 19th in Plains. And today, her 99-year-old husband, who's been in hospice care since the beginning of this year, is set to join her and be by her side as she has a funeral and then a burial on Wednesday. Rosalind Carter. 
Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today, Alec Murdoch news, he is going to be sentenced for stealing from his 18 legal clients. He's already pled guilty to these charges, and he's going to be sentenced as he and his lawyers have negotiated a 27-year prison sentence for the man who's right now already in jail on a life term without parole for killing his wife and son. And he's got this 27-year prison sentence for stealing from his law firm and other clients around Hampton County in South Carolina. Today, many of the people that he stole from will be looking him in the eye during sentencing for Alec Murdoch. And we want to leave you with our news headlines today with cheeseburgers in paradise. No, Jimmy Jimmy Buffett was a native of Mississippi, but I wouldn't call Mississippi the cheeseburger paradise. But it's got some dang good choices across the state of Mississippi for burgers. So I wanted to let you know, according to the good folks at Yelp, I love Yelp, they've got ratings of the top cheeseburger joints in Mississippi. So if you're traveling through the Magnolia State anytime soon, want to let you know the top cheeseburger spot they have selected. And I guess what I'm pulling up here doesn't show you various cheeseburger joints. It just shows you the winner, the winner. And it comes to you in the state capital is the winner, according to what Yelp came out with. And the winner for Mississippi for top cheeseburger joint is Stamps Superburgers in Jackson, Mississippi. All right. And I got this article pulled up, so I'm going to actually quickly rattle off, since I can't tell you multiple places in Mississippi, because this article does not tell us that for some crazy reason. But you know what it does do? It tells us the top cheeseburger joints in all of the southern states. So I'll let you know that. I'll let you know about these. By the way, Stamps Super Burgers in Jackson, Mississippi, is located at 1801 Dalton Street. No frills counter service operation offering an array of hamburgers, fries, and more. Stamps Super Burgers. Mmm, looks great. Looks great. I was very, very saddened to learn that my one of my favorite burger joints in America just closed down earlier this year, and it was also located in Jackson, Mississippi. And I've already wiped it out of my hard drive of the name of it, but it was a place called Something Street Grocery, and all I know is it was by it was by the strip clubs of Jackson, Mississippi. And the strip clubs would use their parking lot in the nighttime hours when people would go patronize them. You could park in this really awesome place their parking lot to go Betty Street Grocery, I believe is the name of it. Anyway, they closed earlier this year, and I hate to hear that. It might even get turned into a strip club. But, boy, they had great, great, great food, including great burgers. All right, let me get away from telling you about Jackson, Mississippi hamburger joints to tell you, according to Yelp, the best cheeseburger joints in the South. Again, this is according to Yelp. 
reviews. Ozark, Alabama's Our Place Diner is Alabama's number one cheeseburger spot. Bentonville, Arkansas's Table on 6th is tops in the natural state. The state of Florida's top cheeseburger joint is North South Grill in Pembroke Pines. Georgia's number one burger place is Holman and Finch Public House in Atlanta. Kentucky's best cheeseburger, according to Yelp, is Louisville's Oscar's Slider Bar. Louisiana's number one cheeseburger joint is Fat Boy Pantry in the Big Easy of New Orleans. Maryland's number one cheeseburger joint, JBGB's in Baltimore. This is all based on Yelp reviews. That's how you get to be number one. As I said, Mississippi's is Stamp Super Burgers in Jackson. Missouri's number one cheeseburger joint, Jack Nolan's in St. Louis. North Carolina's is in Welcome, North Carolina, Nick's Old Fashioned Hamburger House, number one in the Old North State. Oklahoma's number one cheeseburger joint, Nick's Grill in the state capital of Oklahoma City. South Carolina's number one burger joint is Hamburger Joe's in Vanna White's hometown, North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Tennessee's number one burger joint is in Pigeon Forge, Blue Moose Burgers and Wings. All based again, don't don't get mad at me. It comes to you from Yelp's reviews. That's how you get to be number one. Texas's number one cheeseburger joint, Nancy's Hustle in Houston. Virginia's number one burger joint, Leesburg's Melt Gourmet Cheeseburger. And West Virginia's number one burger joint, Beckley's King Tut Drive. All delicious places and all, according to Yelp, the top cheeseburger joint in their respective state. How about that? That's the kind of info you just don't get from any other program out there. You're welcome. Glad to be of service to you here on the Y'all Show. Now, let's go get a couple of burgers in us while we're at it. Mm-mm. And many of you, just like me, would say, you know, I don't know if that's the best one in the state. I think I've had better burgers. But you know what? That's why we love this part of the world. We, we can all agree to disagree, at least when it comes to food. When we come back, we're not going to disagree. The Takapola Storyteller is set up to come on and talk about fashion. Jerry Short is ahead on the Y'all Show. It is the guy that loves to tell you stories of yesteryear and bring it on his very unique and fun way. All that's ahead. And welcome back. It's the Y'all Show. Shaking the Southland with awesome stuff. And part of the awesomeness of the Y'all Show is when Tuesdays, the Takapola Storyteller, Jerry Short, drops by for a conversation. Jerry, we are glad to have you back on the Y'all Show. And boy, you're looking nice. Boy, it must be Tuesday. It is Tuesday. You've been mighty complimentary. Uh, uh, all dressed up, of course. And that's what I want to talk to you about, Jerry. All right. 
Fashion, you know, that's something we don't talk Did about. Did you say passion? Fashion. Oh. A, a passion for fashion. <laughs> fashion for passion. No, passion for fashion. Okay, fashion. Fashion. Yeah, right. So tell me, in your world, the the meaning of, of looking nice and how important it is in, in, in certain occasions. Well, you know, just uh, everybody's gotten really casual this day and time. And, uh, you know, I don't want, I, I don't feel like that uh, the gentleman that from uh, Pennsylvania that was uh, a representative, or no, he's senator. As a uh, I thought you were about Joe Biden for a second. You know, well, I, he's you about Fetterman? Fetterman, yes, Mr. Fetterman. And, uh, senator you know, Fetterman. I, I wouldn't consider him fashionable, but he has, uh, I think he has been uh, kind of forced to get a little fashionable. And uh seems like it may have helped his political views also. But uh, what I think about fashion is, uh, you know, uh, there's a place and time for any kind of fashion. And, uh, you know, my uh, my daughter and granddaughters and everybody that uh, goes to a wedding or a wedding, uh, you know, tuxedos and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and um, maids of honors and groomsmen. You know, groomsmen should definitely, I think, have tuxedos and uh then it comes down if you're not going to have a an elaborate wedding i think you should have a suit and tie on you know in my day i you know at 10 years old i wore a suit and tie to every uh every church service i went to from uh because i'd wear it in the morning to go to sunday school and I'd wear it uh, to church. And we're not talking about sport coat. No, and, we're talking pants. about a we're talking regular about... suit and tie. And uh, like it took me forever to learn how to make a really good tie. You know, my granddaddy had to teach me how to tie my tie properly. But uh, you know, at first your mother would probably tie your tie for you, and then you would go on and you know. But you'd dress you up. You know, you wouldn't be like little what's that little Rod Fornanoid. You wouldn't be like him with uh, knickers Who's on. Who's that? Oh, that's from the old days, Lauren Hardy type days. Okay. When kids had to dress like that with knickers and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, I don't, I, you know, I think all that's outdated and gone. As everything evolves into something else, uh, this day and time, I think you can look casual enough with a, I prefer, I still prefer a white shirt with a blazer, a dark, uh, dark colored blazer. Navy or black? Uh, you know, they, they can be almost similar up, you know, from a distance that you can't tell the difference. I don't like a real light, uh, I like a darker Navy and, uh, I like a black, Mm -hmm. uh, suit coat. And then I think it's okay with khakis and, uh, then of course you can wear suit pants also, but I prefer khakis, uh, with a good belt and a good belt buckle. And of course, in the older days, we all had cuff links, and you had to wear that sort of thing. People really went out of their way back oh, in the fifties yeah. and sixties, mostly. I mean, 50s. you go to a college football game, and every gentleman there was dressed in a suit, not a, suit a sport coat, not no, not casual, not business casual. Church on Sunday, you would think he was ready for yeah. church on. Not Sunday. in school colors. Not in school colors. No, you know they didn't even hardly sell those items then. You know, so nobody ran around, and they didn't have a, hey, today, you know, if you're an LSU fan, it's purple out or it's gold out or, you know, people didn't have those colors to put on, you know. So uh, if uh, to, uh, my, my thought of a fashion 
would be uh, kind of halfway in between because I think a man still needs to be comfortable. You know, Representative Jordan, if you notice, he always carries his Jim sports coach. Jim of Ohio, Jordan. the guy that yeah. just missed out on the speaker. The guy room. just missed out on the speaker. And uh, he, you know, he was a professional, uh, wasn't a professional, he may have been, but he was a college NCAA wrestling champion twice. And uh, I think he coached wrestling at the University of Wisconsin. But I don't know if that's why, you know, he's got broad shoulders. He's a tough-looking guy, but he's a nice-looking man. And he carries his uh, jacket, usually, with a long-sleeved, nice shirt. And it's not necessarily always uh, one color or white. It can just be a nice, pressed shirt that obviously came from the cleaners. And, you know, I think you should have... uh, when you when you really dress up, you, your stuff needs to be uh, put in the dry cleaners and pressed to a level that it looks pressed, not something that you just knocked out on your on you with your iron on your ironing board with a little water and a little spray starch. I think it needs to be a, a more of a stiff look uh, look, huh. you know. And because if you're going to have a jacket on that collar, don't need to be flopping around. It needs to be. You know, more erect and standing out, and uh, on the suit, the suit. No, I'm, even on just a jacket. Okay, not necessarily a tie. You know, I'm not much on ties anymore. You know, if I was out west and could wear one of those uh, uh, Indian-looking uh, bolo ties, yeah, if you could do that, it'd be okay. But no, uh, uh, no bow tie. You know, oh, really? That's no, what I like to wear sometimes. Well, I mean, it's okay, but not... What do you think about would, a bow tie on a guy? Then be honest. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. And uh, I think a bow tie on a, on a man, there's a time and a place. And uh, if it's a, uh, if you're at an event that uh, pertains to something historical or something more uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago, a bow tie looks pretty good. Because a bow tie was a good item to uh, have in those days, and uh, bringing it forward, if you're at an event that pertains to that day and time in history, I think it looks really good. It's classy, you know. It's kind of like uh, wearing a striped shirt or a, uh, you know, how Southerners used to wear. I think I've seen you wear the uh, sucker. Yeah. I think I've seen you wear it. Oh, I've got seven, yeah. maybe and, eight seersucker suits. And they suits. look good. They really look good on people. And they look it looks nice on you. And they really look good at a, uh event that calls for that. You know, something, it's more southern. A seersucker seems to be more southern and more classic. Oh, it, uh, yeah, that's why yeah. I wear it. Cause yeah. I, you know, Jerry, you may not realize this, but I kind of fancy myself as a southerner. Yeah. Well, I kind of realize that, and, you know, y'all kind of goes with Southern. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, But you've and, never owned a seersucker suit. Oh, yeah, I've had a seersucker. You know where they originated, here originally. in the South. Yeah, they originated in but the South. But where, specifically? Uh, well, since you're from South Carolina, no, that's the no, question. No, 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 it's not, not uh, from there. It's a place called New Orleans, a place called Perlis. Oh, okay. Are you familiar uh, with Perlis? Yeah, I know, down just off a of canal. Got the and, logo uh, of the little uh, mm, crawfish. Yeah. Just off a of canal, and uh, that would have been pre-Civil War days. I think it was more of a after Civil War, and and seersucker as a fabric actually originates from India. Yeah, it's a different fabric, and you really you can really tell it when you take your fingers and kind of rub them between it, 
and it, it's not smooth like cotton or polyester or anything like that. I like it. I wear seersucker uh, beyond the so-called official season of seersucker, Easter to Labor Day. Sometimes you'll catch me. Heck, last year I wore it in December, and you know I yeah. think I might do it again this year yeah, because true. I can. I know, that's but true. but you know people like me, Jerry, bucking the trends and sometimes doing the rebellious things out there. What do you think of that when you see somebody? A lot of men, I know a guy who wears shorts yeah. year round. Yeah. It could be twenty degrees and he's still yeah. wearing shorts. What do you think of those kind of crazy things? I think it's tacky. Okay. And, uh, Tell me how you feel. Yeah, I do. I think it's tacky, <laughs> and I think there's no place for it. And and uh, and you know, I know his legs have got to be cold if they're in some of the places I've been. When I've got regular pants on, and it's still cold. And there comes a guy with shorts on. And uh, I think you know, football coaches they're trying to be more casual now. And uh, Johnny Vault and Bear Bryant and. All the people from uh, way back, Tennessee, uh, General Neyland and all that, they wore suits, mm-hmm. always wore suits. And uh, coaching staff would wear suits. And uh, I think they still need to dress up. I think I think colleges should at least have their coach dress up nice for homecoming. I do too. When they Especially, have their homecoming. It's kind of a salute to the past. That's yeah. what I would do. Well, not to be a salute to the president. We've still got class, and we're still not trying to dang follow someone. Let's be ourselves. Let's be what made us. Let's be what we were. You know, like I said, now I'm getting away from wearing a tie as little as possible because wearing a tie sometimes can be really unhandy and inconvenient and uncomfortable. But boy, it looks good. It looks good, but it can be uncomfortable. And if you're going to an event where you're going to be moving around a lot or you're going to be stationary even for a long period of time, I think you need to be comfortable. And I think you need to be, you know, you can be classy, you can be stylish and uh, without going overboard. You know, there's always a limit to everything. And I think it fits uh, that purpose. We were talking about football. We were talking about dressing up a little bit. Shout out to Will Hall. Are you familiar with Coach Hall? I think it's Southern Mississippi. He is the Southern Miss Golden Eagles head coach. And not every single game, but a lot of games, he wears a tie on the sideline. Yeah. And there's very, very few coaches at all at any level that wear ties on game days. So shout out to Coach Hall. Yeah. Southern Miss to the top, baby. Bringing it back and, uh, you know, win, lose, or draw. And I think they lose more than they win at Southern Miss. But uh, he's still a class act. I think so. And he may be part of that, uh, the old Ohio State coach, Jim Tresville or whatever his name was. Yeah, he does. He wears it. He wore that little tie, little Uh, vest thing a lot. And uh I think a lot of his disciples carried that tradition over. I'd like to see ties a little bit more, if possible, on uh, football sidelines. Even basketball coaches have gotten away since COVID. They They used to be the most decked out of all. You know, they'd take that coat off, and you'd see him when he got it. The game got tight and got close. They may be sitting on that bench with that dang suit on, that suit tie, but here comes that suit tie off, and it drapes it over that chair, you know, and because it's getting into a situation where, hey, i got to come out there and i got to move my hands and i got to do this. So they'll take that coat off, but it does. It, you know, it hadn't been long ago that 
most basketball. Oh, it was COVID. Wore it, when yeah. COVID started, yeah. these coaches just kind of wore golf shirts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they couldn't and, get away with it then. And, and, but they, they kept that going. Yeah. So there's a lot of men's clothing stores that want those college coaches to bring – and NBA too. I to, was involved in one one time, and uh, Coach Higgins, who was at Cincinnati Huggins. at the time. Is it Huggins? Yeah. Uh, who I just know, got fired a couple months ago. Da- oh, where was he at? He was at West Virginia. Yeah, his alma mater. Cincinnati, and that's his alma mater. And he got busted and for another busted. DUI and had to – Step aside. Well, he was down on a recruiting trip in Mississippi one time, and he went by a clothing store uh, next to Oxford, and uh, they sold suits. And uh, he ordered all his suits from that clothing store and had them mailed to him because I was at a NCAA game one time and introduced him to the owner of the store. The owner of the store told me he knew him, and, we, and I introduced him. He said, no, I don't know him personally, but I ordered my suits from him. So, uh, you know, that uh, that was a thing, and that hadn't been that long ago. No. Again, the importance of looking good. We're talking to Jerry Short, the Takapola storyteller here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. So let's move over, if you will, Jerry, something that's easy for you and I to talk about men's clothing. Let's talk about women's clothing. You've, you've raised a daughter. Yeah. You've been, like me, you got a couple of women in the past that you've been married to, some of which may have enjoyed having you buy them clothes in the past. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what is the Jerry Short definition of a really well-dressed woman? What do you like well, to see? you know, uh, every girl in my family has been in the Greek world, and they've all been sororities, and they've all been major sororities, and they've been at the sorority capital of the world, I noticed. Uh, yeah. It's considered to be the number one sorority college okay and they dress maybe because of how much they spend on clothes that's where i was going the first time that i noticed that my daughter was a sorority rush chairman at this uh, college in her sorority and every every ball game she would tell me daddy i need another dress maybe the third or fourth game i'd say didn't i buy you a dress for game two what's wrong with it oh i can't wear the same dress every game you know, I had to have a different dress every game they went to. So I'd end up buying 10 dresses if she went to 10 games that year, you know. That's ridiculous. And uh, and they were high, high-dollar stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't cheap stuff. Now, today I notice, you know, the hemlines are always changing. The type dresses are always changing. Today I think they may wear those hemlines a little too tall. I, I prefer them to go on back down about uh, – couple of inches above the knee. Man, come and, on. Yeah, that's what I think would be look better and more proper, at, uh, especially at a ball game. I mean, you're sitting in the stands, you're in the, you're in the bleachers, and you're jumping around. And, and a lot of people don't like these schools that still continue to bring the past and wear it and dress up. The girls dress up. Yeah. They don't like those. They kind of look down on them because they've gotten into those sweatshirts, it might be the color of the school. They might have a white out, brown out, black out day, and they sit in their chair numbers, kind of like uh, Southern Cal used to give them flashcards, and they'd give them the number to flash them, and they'd spell out across the area. Now you just sit there in that color outfit. Hmm. But uh, I think they need to wear a one-piece dress, uh, preferably to me, a girl does. I don't think it needs to be a two-piece with a short skirt. I notice they've got this plaid uh, skirt they wear now. My granddaughters are 
in the Greek world at this college. Congratulations. And, oh, yeah, th- thanks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps you worried what they wear, too, since you brought up women's clothes. Well, yeah, uh, I brought it up because it's a big deal. In fact, there was a, another college that uh, competes with your your family's choice of colleges for that title of number one Greek world. This one may be a little bit more famous because they actually have a, a TV series about it. It's the Capstone, the University of Alabama. And on a recent episode of whatever that TV show is, one of the young ladies who's a rush, going through rush this uh-huh. year or something, she spent over $20,000, this college freshman, she spent over $20,000 on one outfit. Hmm. Now, that includes the dress, but, but a lot of the expense was on jewelry. Right. So tell me about jewelry with the fashion and well, all that. You know, the, the earrings are fine. Uh, a good watch is fine. Uh, just don't go overboard on the fingers with rings and stuff like that. Because you're talking about the one at this capstone that spent... Uh, uh, That'd be Alabama, by the way. Yeah, I know. I understand. The machine. It'd been $10,000, $20,000, you said. Over over twenty. Well, I thought this Just was for one lot. outfit. I had a daughter in uh, this college that, we, that my daughter went to. And um, she didn't just shop at one store. But I happened to be in that one store, which was in an adjacent town to the college. And the guy introduced me to a, a, a student from, uh, well, he was a father of a person at that university he said you know uh jerry don't you and he said uh no i don't believe i do and he said well, his daughter spends ten thousand a year with me well i didn't have any clue you know and this is 1990 91 92 i'm spending ten thousand a year and you didn't this, even know it i didn't know it because i'd write the check and i'd pay him ever you know and i wasn't paying any attention and uh Must be i nice. went home well it, it was Better than not being able to pay him, I guess, because I'd be in jail. Today. How would you like to do that today? Just write Couldn't checks? Couldn't do it today. Couldn't <laughs> do it today. And uh, so, so I went home, and I got my checkbook out, and I tracked it down, and I told my daughter to the next time, next game, after she asked for it, I said, you know, you're a senior now. Do you know how lucky you are that I was told by the guy that had been selling you dresses at his place that I had spent $10,000 a year there? And I said, if I if you were a freshman and I'd found that out, your dress wear would have been cut in half, dear. You know, and I said it in a very nice way, and I think she understood it. But she didn't understand that, hey, you know, you give an inch, you take a mile. Anybody will. And uh, so that's what was happening to me financially in dress wear for female Greek world people. We're talking to the Takapolo Storyteller. It's Jerry Short here on the Y'all Show. If you've got a uh, fashion suggestion and or a tip here for the Y'all Show, you just feel free to reach out to us here on the various ways to contact the Y'all Show. One easy way is to email us, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. That's a very simple 24-7 type way to contact us here on the program all about the South. Jerry, what is your opinion of women in hats? Women in hats. Well, obviously, that is just about gone with the wind, and to use a southern term. But uh, you, you don't see very much of that anymore. I thought at the time it was real fashionable. You know, you could always overdo it. But ladies always wore hats to church. 
older ladies especially because it probably comes even back further back than the 50s and 60s it goes back to the 30s and 40s if you ever watch any old black and white movies but uh to be real fashionable you know i, I ran into a woman that was a former major red at this university the other day and she was wearing like a barrette a beanie yeah type thing which looked okay but you know it wouldn't be expensive it wasn't real elaborate it was just on top of her head as a beanie and then her hair come around behind it you okay. know i'd call it a barrette or beret you know whatever you want to refer to it as well she was wearing it and it was not even winter time no it so. wasn't winter time she was just dressed that way well it hadn't been a couple of weeks ago okay. and uh she was just dressed that way for the occasion and she was just a regular day okay. in a regular restaurant we weren't in a real fancy restaurant you know but that was her that was her wear now she's a kind of an elaborate lady that uh is not from the town ah. that this happened in old girlfriend of yours i don't know if she'd be a girlfriend or not but i'm acquaintance with okay say, right. going for. well yeah, but she uh is in washington dc today oh. so i guess they they may wear that uh barrette and well, i told her about it i said you know i had to look i couldn't tell and then i kept looking at that beret you got on your head and then i said finally you got a profile she could have been a girl scout might have been i don't know you know girl scouts are are doing pretty good this day and time Uh, good for them hey i I do give credit to a country music starlet right now that's the number one singer in country music really truly is she's got the song that's been number one for a couple weeks watermelon moonshine she is out of baskin louisiana her name is laney wilson and Laney is, I give her credit, I see more and more women wearing a kind of a cowboy hat, but it's a little bit more yeah. of a cross between a cowboy hat and a crocodile dundee type hat. And Laney likes to wear those hats. And I I do believe she's helping bring a little bit more of the uh, wet, wet. She's also appearing on Yellowstone, which is a very popular yeah, I've never TV. never watched it. But, but, but that's now on network TV. Yeah, CBS is carrying it. I don't that. prefer the gentleman that plays the role. But Mr. Costner? Yeah, he donates to the liberal size of my uh, situation. Well, I might be do- donating he, to he's him, He's a Cheney too. fan. So you don't I, know that. He's a big, yeah, I've heard him say he's a big Cheney, Liz Cheney fan. Oh, lovely. Okay. So, I, you know, they film that in that area. Yeah, yeah. So I don't watch it. Well, well. Anyway, anyway, besides Kevin Costner, Laney yeah. Wilson, who's been on that last series of uh, of Yellowstone the last season, I really think she's influencing a lot of women out there with the sort of the Yellowstone Western look yeah. coming back. And, you well, know, I hadn't seen it on her. I, didn't a Mississippi girl play on that one time? Did she not, not have a role? Did, uh, uh, what's her name uh, from Star Mississippi? Oh, Faith Hill? Once she, didn't they do she, a They segment? did a 1882, which is like, um, I think that's got to do with another series. She oh, and her okay. husband, Tim McGraw, were on another. Yeah, the one that was in the blind side. Yes. Her husband. Yes. Yeah. And and so that's what you're referencing. But the, the Yellowstone is set in modern times. Yeah. And Laney Wilson has that really it's modern time. Yeah, it's a modern. It's 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 modern. I just day. won't watch it because of Kevin Costner. But well, other than that, sorry, I guess you won't be watching the Bodyguard anytime soon. You know, I kind of like the Bodyguard. <laughs> movie. I really did. Or or the one about baseball that he was in. He's been in a bunch of really good but movies. When I found out when he backed Liz Cheney, I kind of lost uh, lost it with him. Well, um, Kevin, if you're listening, Jerry wants. 
So I'm sure that'll hurt Kevin's feelings. I'm sure it will. But uh, I think he's more worried about his wife these days. Have you been keeping up with that? No, I don't keep up with Kevin. His ex-wife. When he said that about Liz Cheney, that did mean. Yes, he's been in a little bit of custody battle and and a child support and alimony battle. Oh, okay. I'm sure he can afford to pay it off. That might have been why he said what he said about Liz Cheney. He he was really distracted. He was giving money to Liz, not his wife. That could be. I got you. Very well could be. She's not very attractive to me either, by the way. Who? Liz Cheney. Kevin Costner's ex is certainly attractive if well, you're, I'm sure uh, if you're keeping his, score. With his bankroll, I'm sure she is. Yeah, I'm sure she I'm is. I'm sure she can dress uh, very well. Oh, yeah. Well, we were talking about fashion, so yeah. you don't like Liz Cheney's fashion? You know, I don't even look at her that close. Uh, she reminds me more of a uh, that definitely left-wing side. So, well, you know. I tell you what, because she's got a famous father. Yeah. You know, there's some people out there, and she's one of them. I can't look at her and not picture her father. What about Angelina Jolene or whatever her name? Uh, I don't think of old. Well, in her daddy, uh, when he and John Volt. John Volt. Yeah, I don't think of John, not Johnny Volt, but John Voigt. No, not Johnny Volt. John no. Volt. I don't. I don't see John Volt. But he kind of disowned his daughter. Well, she she kind of got it. She kind of got out there a little yeah. different. Uh, kind of a Britney Spears type. <sighs> You know, Something like that. I Some, saw Brittany play basketball for a private school in Mississippi. She played for Park Lane Academy, a yeah. point guard. And uh, she wasn't, I didn't know she was going to turn out like she did. How was she dressed? She was dressed in a Park Lane Pioneer, is their nickname. Park Lane Pioneer basketball. Okay, uniform. but didn't she cheerlead also for she Park Lane? She cheerlead for Park Lane. Because sure I think did. I've seen those pictures yeah, before. she sure did. All right, well, Jerry, we are uh, fashioned out here. Wasn't that a fun segment? That was fun. You know, we need to do that again, and I'll do some research. Oh, you don't need to. Uh, but I should be almost finished uh, monetarily on the fashion end, except for myself. Uh, and uh, if I don't lose some weight, I won't be wearing any real gear. Well, I'm, I've, got a, I've got this goal to um, get you in a bow tie one of these days. Well, I might do that Yeah, yeah for the next uh, official uh, rally that we have. Yeah, we'll have a good Southern rally. Jerry Short, the Takapola Storyteller, always great to talk to you, and we look forward to talking with you again next hey, Tuesday. That sounds good to me, John. I'll come up with something if you'll throw it at me. And I know you'll be looking dapper okay. until we see you then. Thanks again. We'll be back with more of the Y'all Show right after this. From a stranger in a bar The last time that you're dancing In unfamiliar arms Yeah, this could be your last first kiss If we do this thing right Your last time alone beneath neon lights It could be your last night Coming in here drinking all by yourself The last time giving your heart away to someone else Yeah, we could be some history In the making girl tonight Oh, Last Night Lonely from Grand Ole Opry member John Party helping us wrap up this Tuesday Y'all Show. Hey, as we wrap things up, you know, food's been on our mind. We had Thanksgiving last week. We got Christmas right around the corner. Healthline.com has an article that caught our producer's attention. It's nine tips to stop thinking about food. And that might be an important article for you to go 
read here as the holidays continue. One tip is to take it easy on yourself. Just like the Eagles, take it easy on yourself. Number two tip, ask yourself if you're feeling deprived. Also, enjoy healthy meals and snacks this time of year. Drink enough water. Identify your patterns and triggers. Learn to let the thoughts pass. Also, a tip as you want to know how to stop thinking about food, consider mindful eating. That means eating slowly, paying attention to the colors. You know, there's a lot of thought that goes into food. So all these are good, helpful tips. Move more. And lastly, know when to ask for help. There are many people out there who suffer from food, the overeating, the undereating of food, and we don't want to make fun of that this time of year as food does get a lot of attention. Healthline.com is the website. Check it out. Nine tips to stop thinking about food could be quite helpful. We want you to not stop thinking about the Y'all Show. We're available in podcast form, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TNM, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. And remember, the Y'all Show will be right back here on Wednesday with more Southern Conversation. Until then, y'all have a great rest of your day, and thanks for listening.